Hey, hey, this is Soma79 with a special announcement. My new Mega Mix is up. My MSD Mega Mix Oxidation Moons Day is now available. Go to www.soma79.com slash doom to check it out. It's a 30-minute mix that I did of MF Doom raps over my own beats. I really enjoy it. I hope you really enjoy it. So check it out. Tell a friend. Peace. Hey, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so, so, so much for joining me. My guest today, Eric Hodson. I really, this dude and I ended up having so much in common. He's extremely talented. He's a, I found his art because I went to a signing um, at a, a comic store in Springfield. I forget the name right now. Um, maybe a dungeon in the title. I don't know. I forget, but they're really cool. And they had Dan House in there. So I went down to see Dan House and they were selling a uh, exclusive print there that day that was done by Eric Hodson. So if you've been watching the podcast for a while, you can see it's right over my shoulder behind Jay there. I show it in the episode, but, um, so I, that's been sitting there forever. And I figured if it's in the background all the time and I love it so much, I should track down the artist and uh, see what he's all about. And I'm glad I did. This guy's got a lot of great stories. He's got a really interesting journey. He's super talented, super friendly. He's got a great attitude and uh, he's a wrestling fan. So nothing wrong with any of that. So Eric, thank you so much for being here. Definitely go to erichodson.com and pick up some prints. They uh, He's got um, all of his prints at a very reasonable $20 or the majority of them at least. Um, But his work is beautiful. It's a great gift for the um, wrestling fan and comic fan in your life, which I'm sure uh, you probably know a few of if you're watching this. So thank you very much. Check out his stuff and uh, talk to you soon. Peace. Flip manuscripts Cause her man went from damaged kid to damn he's rich But she still can't stand the way he manages To never put nickels in the can for the cancer kids Plus he cheats at cornhole and rags that he won So she lost interest like porno after she comes My DM started jingling baby as it was done Two seconds later I can hear the snapping of her gums She calls me half Dodge Challenger, half Lip Gallagher Hey hey, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox podcast i am your host almost 79 i am super excited for my guest today anybody who's been watching the podcast for a while has probably seen well it's tough to see a little bit because it's usually behind my head but there is an empty space there now that usually holds this awesome piece oh fantastic yeah. not ass boys done by our guest today eric hodson this is signed by dan house and kind of wish i could get it signed by you but maybe someday but um, so Eric is a, a comic book artist who does a lot of like uh, mashup style work like myself with professional wrestling. This would be a comic book mashup. Fantastic Four and Dan Housen with uh, Billy Ass, the Ass Boys or the, the, the Guns and uh, Britt Baker. I absolutely love this piece. I was, it, was, it was on sale the day that I got to meet Dan Housen, which was amazing in its own right. Um, how are you doing today, Eric? Thank you for making this thing real. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And uh you know, it'd be a great way to start the show since you brought that piece up to tell you a little bit of the story behind how that came to be. Yeah, love it. Well, my my uh, my buddy Dan, who acts as my agent from time to time, him and I were down in Chillicothe. I know I'm probably butchering that. Chillicothe, Chillicothe, Ohio. And it was um, 
it was a, it was a nice little house show where you go in, you set up tables, and you sh- you know you chit chat for a little while, and then there's wrestling in the evening, and oh. it's all good and fun. But we were set up right next to Billy Gunn and his and his boys. Yeah, and so, so we're just like giving them shit back and forth the whole weekend. They're fun, and and Dan's like, dude. So if I got him to draw something for you guys, what would you want? And without skipping a beat, my boy Austin Gunn was like, if you did. Fantastic Four, number eight, first puppet master. We would hate that. Absolutely do not do that. And, uh, yeah, because, you know, I mean, they were drinking candy cane, candy cane, uh, no, candy, unicorn bang the whole weekend. No, cotton what, candy bang. That's what is that? <laughs> yeah, the, the bang energy drinks. Oh, okay. I've never had those. And I so, don't know if that was alcoholic or not. <laughs> was the cotton candy ass boys throughout the whole weekend and you know it's, it's been it's been really great um but yeah so that was his idea and it, it was it's turned out beautifully we've formed a friendship since i was very privileged to um be offered the chance to do a piece of art for billy's uh, 60th birthday austin brought me in we collaborated on a piece Showing, 60 um, years of Billy, that dude, I think he's older than The Undertaker. He looks better than I would on my best day by 100%. very good care of himself. Like, yeah. one of the conversations... No cheat days like, for Billy Gunn. <laughs> well, no, because it's like, uh, the, the piece that we did is a big, huge 18 by 24. Wow. And on the one half is Billy's father watching the boys when they're young while Billy's on TV. And then the other half is Billy older sitting in his recliner watching his boys on TV you know, doing a guns up back to his father for for looking out for him. So it's like a then and now type scenario. And I originally had something in Billy's hands, like it was like a beer bottle or something. He's like, yeah, dad doesn't drink and he doesn't drink anything but water. So, you know, maybe we'll just do guns up. And uh, uh, so, yeah. That's um, beautiful. Is that a publicly available piece or was that privately for him? It was a private piece. Uh, but you can see it on Austin Gunn's uh, okay. uh, Instagram. He posted That's about it. Tag me on Those guys have a that. really bright future ahead of them. Like, I think that... Oh, they absolutely <laughs> do. Yeah, they seem like really good kids. I mean, they're I guess they're all adults, but they seem like they really have a good oh, head on their shoulders. They seem to get... They, they seem to be, like, so ready to build on the legacy that their father built, and but also take it in a, in a new direction. Because it's like, they're a really strong tag team, but in a totally different way than the New Age Outlaws. Or the yeah, events. there's a lot of longevity there, especially like, you know, and I'm not taking away from Colton on this because Colton's personality is completely different than Austin's. Austin, I can see being the next Shawn Michaels. I've heard, yeah, I've heard other people say something he's got similar. That charisma, yeah. he's got just that natural air about him. And really, Colton is, he's the next his father. You know, he's, yeah, he's got sort of a Matt Hardy role play. where he can do a lot for himself, but he might not be the the guy, you know. Yeah, so tag team or or singles, whatever they end up doing in the future, they're going to be mega successful. Mm-hmm. WWE has to have their eyes on on them. Like there's a, there's a few guys in AEW like them, and I think Kyle Fletcher is another one, and probably his partner in Aussie Open too. Have to be guys at WWE at the right time. Will probably love to have you know. Oh, I bet it was a hilarious tweet that a friend of mine will posted, and he's like. Uh, wrestlers Tony Khan has gotten over, and the, like the first one was uh, CM Punk. Yeah, Jinder Mahal now. <laughs> well, yeah, all the guys that have just recently left. Did Cargo? Oh man, it's um. I was a big AEW, and we'll get back to your art in a second. We'll, we'll top load this too much with wrestling, but I was a big AEW for for, for a fan for a while. But I'll be honest, the night that 
the sound of um of uh swerve strickland's blood hitting the back of adam page's throat was the sound of me turning off AEW for the foreseeable future like i might watch the sting retirement match but i watched that and i was even surprised in myself at how embarrassed i felt and how how nauseous i and i was just like oh this changed it changed something in me and like and i love swerve hangman i can i can take or i can kind of give her tea. he's a good talent but he's not up by a cup of tea but I, I i hope tony gets his, his house in order a little bit the, the perfect analogy, I think, with Tony is like Tony is a wrestling fan who's still a kid at heart, and he's playing with real people like action figures. Right, and I also think too, it's like Vince McMahon is a is a is a man who became a billionaire by being a wrestler promoter, and Tony Khan is a billionaire who decided to be a wrestling promoter. I think that's that's the other yeah. side. Yeah, there's there's a big difference there. There's a level of professionalism now, Vince. Vince is nuts. He's gone off the rails. Oh, yeah. I'm know. not totally defending Vince. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's absolutely not a defense of Vince because he's definitely. You know, turned himself into the supervillain purposefully. I think I don't know, but it's you know, it's one of those things. Is like business changes you, and either changes you for the good or for the worst. And if you don't have any sort of degree of self awareness about it, there's a little opportunity for you to make changes. Right, self awareness is something that comes up a lot in this podcast too, because I think it's one of the keys to success. Like, it's if you don't, if you can't see yourself the way other people see you, it's going to be really hard to sort of survive in any sort of public environment. No. Oh, yeah. No, there's a lot of drama in comic books. There's a big <laughs> yeah. heat of drama in comic books, in indie comic book scene right now. And the people who make it the worst are the ones who, you know, really don't have any self-awareness. They get overly butthurt about, you know, implied slights or they can't take take a joke or they don't or they're just so serious about themselves that they don't see any flaw. Right. We're all flawed people. You know, we all make mistakes. We all don't do our best. The the one of my favorite analogies that I don't know if I came up with it, but I can't remember anybody else saying is like, we all stumble. It's just, it's you stumble up or you stumble down. I'd like I like to think that I stumble up through this life. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's like it doesn't matter how many times you fall, it matters how many times you get back up. And I think that's um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's what you describe about indie comics is I'm a I'm a hip hop artist, I'm a rapper, is exactly true about indie rappers too. Where it's like it seems like the less you have going for you, the more you run your mouth to some degree. And people who actually have the self awareness and are good know they don't have to run their mouth, you know. So. Mm-hmm. So you do a comic. We'll get back to the wrestling stuff too. But Dinosaur Man, um, that's an indie comic that you make, correct? Did I get that right? Yeah, currently it exists, it exists as a webtoon, The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, and I haven't had time to get up and update any chapters in a long time because I've been busy drawing for other people, working on other projects that are helping to pay my bills. Yeah. But that is my that is my IP I hold closest to my heart, and I want to see an action figure and a, a, you know, a cartoon on Netflix and then what have you in the future, and I'll just keep pressing on with it. But uh, it's definitely my passion project. How long have you been working um, on that for? Read it for free. What? Yeah, how long have you been working on it for? Since about 2017. The, it originally started as an offshoot from a webcomic I had done in the early 2000s called Chad the Fat Kid. And, um, you know, that, that did fairly well in the webcomic scene at the time. And I wanted to bring the character back. And I thought, well, let's lean into his imagination more because it's really kind of a it's a really kind of an autobiography of me growing up because I was the art nerd. I was the fat kid. I got picked on a lot. Hey, me too. We got hung imagination, out. <laughs> my imagination and telling stories is what kept me from bringing a gun to school and wasting these people. So, uh, you know, that's kind of like where that whole Genesis started. And I was going to lean into his imagination more. And that was Dinosaur Man. 
and the more I developed the lore for Dinosaur Man, I was like, you know what? I think I'm done with Chad in my life. I want to work on this. So I started really developing as its own standalone. And that's where it sits right now on, on Webtoon. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's like these days too, especially because you seem like to be similar to me where you do a lot of work, which is like mashups of existing IP, but to have your own like really piece that's due to your heart. And I have a character too, Oxy Astronauts, a namesake of this podcast, where it's like, you feel like there's so much room to express yourself and you can take advantage of all of that's come before you and really pull something. It's 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 so nice to be able to work in both those worlds, you know? Yeah, you know, I went into fan art with trepidation because I really didn't respect it at first. And, uh, you know, and, I, and it was a kind of a necessity because I had a hard time building a name. I started in 2005 publishing my own comics. And these were vestiges of stuff that I had done in high school, trying to turn them into an actual commercial viable product. And it was a big struggle, especially back then. There was hardly any internet. There wasn't any YouTube or anything yeah. like that back then, really. So I just had the convention scene to sell my book. And I never made any money at it. And so I, I, I did some teaching for a while, tried to see if there was other places that I could bring in an income and be successful. And with my health the way that, that it is, and it kind of turned sour a little bit trying to teach, uh, I just decided, you know what, I'll, I'll go back to conventions and I'll, I'll give the fan art thing a try. And I started making money and being able to support myself, support my family. So, you know, it's been really good to me. My wrestling fans are some of the best fans I could ask for because they've been there for me. Every time Every time you buy a poster for me, it's you're helping keep the lights on. You're helping me feed my family. You know, it, it's and it's that hand to mouth closeness. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful. And uh, it's, it's like there's no way I could. Like, I really try hard not to have an ego about it. Like people will give me compliments and I'm the type of personality. It's like, I don't know what to do with this. Thanks. I'm, I'm the same way. It's like I do things that try to get yeah. me attention, but when I get the attention, I'm very uncomfortable with it. Like I don't know how to like. I want to make it more about the other person. I don't. I don't like the the attention doesn't feel good. You know, probably because I was a yeah, fat kid too as a kid, and I was never was used to getting positive attention. I never. I never knew how to learn how to deal with it. I learned how to deal with negative no, emotion no, really no, well. Either. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, when I when I see somebody smile or take like like you did with the Ass Boys piece, you genuinely love that piece and so that's heartwarming and i want to keep that going yeah. but and i'm gonna love the breath the hitman um spider-man punisher piece i buy from you at some point too because i think that i did i did a mashup of that too with star face and doom and i have a lot of love for that color nice. and i the breath the hitman it's like there's sometimes i hear a rap lyric from another rapper and i go oh that's one i could have written and when i saw you do the hitman on that one i'm like didn't i think of that like well done you well know, done. some of them are so evergreen like the, the undertaker yeah. one right here hell oh, that's that mick foley below it too yeah, yeah, it's, I love the, that. it's the Foley. Yeah, there's Foley. I love Foley, man. Foley's a Foley is a gem. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. You did some work with um, him, right? You know, was that you did some work? Yeah, he's, he's a friend. He's a he's one to me. He is like when you break it. If you just break his credentials down objectively, New York Times best-selling author, like appears in shows like 30 rock and stuff hilarious when he's orders on saturday night live then the multi-wrestling time champion then the fact that he is he is both everything that a wrestler is and everything that a most wrestler isn't he's he's a he's a treasure and an anti-santa claus that dude is a freaking <laughs> he's a true blue collar guy he's yeah. very friendly very approachable um like i said like this this is this piece got his attention from me and linda do a phone call Within minutes of me finding all this out, I'm on the phone with him. Oh 
and I did uh, work for a couple of his his book tour, his uh, comedy show tour. Um, I got a, a new piece I need to be working on for a 2024 possible tour this year. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's 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 just been he's a total he's a total class act in a gym. Yeah, he's like. He's just everything you want out of a wrestler, you know? And it's like, I love his podcast with Conrad Thompson where like, he's just, he's, he's, he's forthright, but he's not mean. And I think it's like, if there were more people like that in the world, like he's a man that can live in, that can live in the gray area where so many people are black and white. And I just, he's, he reminds me of sort of a Kevin Smith. He's like the Kevin Smith of wrestling where you're just like, you're glad he's around. You're glad he's contributing and he's doing something special and different. That's a pretty good analogy. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, imagine those two. Those two could make a good team someday doing something. But um, so um, so let's talk about a little bit of how you did. Did this start? Like, I'm I'm guessing when you said around 2005 to start going to fan art, you must have already been a pretty big wrestling and comics fan, correct? Or is that were those already well, things you, know, you had passion for? I've been a wrestling fan, a comic fan ever since I was a little child. You know, my dad and I would rent the VHS tapes of the summer slams wrestlemania World 4 World. with the two discs the two the two tapes oh, absolutely we, you know we, we we you know we'd rent those from the video store and that's how i would know what was going on because yeah. i didn't have cable till i was in my 20s me too i didn't have cable till i was well, uh, senior year of college my roommate got a black box and i went from zero to 16 it was like it was like yeah, four no, channels like, to, yeah. to all the pay-per-views and the porn everything we we stole cable in, in college like crazy and it, it was ridiculous it was like uh, um, a total spy op to get into the box and because like where we were at all we was like four dorms per floor and so we're all friends on the one floor and we're all like working on shit and constantly busy so yeah that was my first experience seeing anything outside of three or four channels where you gotta yeah, like superstars and like yeah saturday night main event like that's basically all i got was like was like sunday morning saturday morning superstars and saturday night's main event was yeah. basically what i, what yeah. I subsided on so there's a ton of house shows and stuff that I've never seen, stuff that was just done for tapings. Yeah. And matter of fact, that Breath Hurt My Heart piece, I recently remastered that. It was a it was that was originally the first one I ever did. And I had Vince McMahon in the sharpshooter in the target and all that. And it, it sold pretty well, but I didn't realize that I'd made a mistake and I put the wrong eagle belt on Brett. So I had to fix that, and I draw so much better than back then now. So I remastered it, and I put Ric Flair in the sharpshooter <laughs> because that's really the first time Bret Hart won the championship, and it was a tight TV taping for uh, for the home video release. Oh, yeah. Where Bret won it first, and they took the belt away from him, gave it back to Flair so Flair could lose it so Bret could win it back later. <laughs> it was It's called the... Um, it was in Saskatoon. I remember uh, hearing about that. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like when you call a man a fifteen-time champion, and those are or the sixteen-time, and those are some of the title switches. You're like, okay, I've got to put this stuff in perspective. So yeah, so yeah, so as a fan, I love going back watching the old stuff. I was a huge Warrior fan. I was a Hulkamaniac, you know. I just loved Andrew Brutus the Barber, Beefcake, and Honky Tonk Man. Those were my two guys oh. like back in the day. Love them both. Absolutely. They, they had such a great rivalry too. Mm -hmm. Going back and forth. Yeah. It's funny too, because it's like it's a good like Honky Tonk Man's not a great wrestler. He's sort of like like a Dominic Mysterio is sort of in the modern day version of like a honky tonk man, where you're like, despite the fact that you're not a five-star match guy, you still can have put on a five-star performance. That's 
Well, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I, I tell people who are critical of pro wrestling, which I think are fewer now than it used to be, because it used to be very uncool. WWE's on a big hot streak right now. And, and it's like, um, listen, a pro wrestler has got to be really good at every entertainment job there is. Yeah. You got to be an actor. You got to be a stuntman. You got to be good on the mic. You know, you got to work be... to the back of the room. Absolutely. You know, uh, and to TV. Off the plane at the same time. And and there's very few guys who are pros at every single thing. Like somebody like Chris Jericho, for example, right. he is the GOAT. He's my favorite of all time. He does every job in pro wrestling to the best of his ability, and he's great at all of them. Yeah. yeah. Some people are better on the mic than others. Some people are better wrestlers than others, and it's all how you are booked and how you sell yourself. Yep, yep. It's like guys like him, like Randy Orton, like guys that have just – you could trust them to do anything. Like they're just, they have yeah. experience, the reps, they know how to do. Yeah. It's like Christian Cage is another one I love, you know? Um, So for you, so you said the first piece you did was the Bret Hart Spider-Man. I think it's, I think it's Spider-Man 128. It might have that wrong. 129. But, um, 129. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that was the first one. Were you, is that, was that, did that comic have a, um have a place in your, like a, was that a particular favorite comic of yours? Or I mean, it's obviously one it's that one a lot of people it's started. One of those key books that I always wanted, and I don't, I don't own it yet, Me so either. it's still on my to buy list. Um, but you know, it's you know, it's, it's a huge thing. Like when my dad got me into comics, he gave me a bunch of his old books. Sadly, he didn't have any of the big keys or any of the really old stuff because he'd given that away. But that was my first escapism. Is like, for me, I, my brain the way my brain's wired i went into my toys i went into cartoons i went into comics that was where i was safe and where i could develop as a person uh and uh the rest because the rest of it was all chaotic and haphazard so that's you know really really kind of what saved me uh mentally and uh you know at least in my early childhood so i've always had a love for him love for spider-man iron man is my personal favorite of the marvel people because the idea of hiding inside of a suit that made you stronger really appealed to adolescent yeah. fat kid Eric. Who, uh... Well, it's funny too because like people who I've noticed this over the years, and it's very true of me. People who love hip hop, comic books, and wrestling, there's a shared thing in between them, which is that you're make you're making yourself bigger than yourself using your creativity. Is that you feel yeah. small inside, but you put on a bigger version of yourself, or that's what the, that's what comic book characters do, is what wrestlers do, and that's what rappers do. And I think that's appealing to people who feel small and feel trapped in their own body. And for me, that was my escape to those three things. One of my big aha moments doing conventions, because it was really rocky to start out with, it was very hard for me as a mostly an introverted person to turn on the extrovert. I'm more of an omnivert now. I've gotten used to talking. It's like it was, it's it's nothing for me to come on with you right now because I've been doing this type of thing for so long. I feel confident in what I'm saying, but that takes time to build. And one of the things that really was an aha moment was tying this to wrestling was in the, I needed a kayfabe. So when I go to when I go to shows. I put on this personality. I, it, like It's like a mental exercise. Like, this is my wrestling persona. Yeah. I'm like a manager. And a lot of times I'll wear a, a really nice suit. I do a mohawk with my hair, put it up, you know, kind of really get into character. You know, and when I come home on Monday, I sleep all day from a con because I'm so exhausted from all of the extroverting. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it works. And it's the same thing for doing, like, this type of stuff. I'm more animated. I'm more 
but I probably won't say any words the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm so very, yeah, it's like, it's, um, I, I have a little bit of that too. It's like, I think the word empath gets thrown along around a lot, but I'm yeah. one of those people who sort of like, I, I, I love my social stuff, but once it's over, I need to recharge. Like I need to be yeah, able absolutely. to like, it, it yeah, makes a right huge there. difference. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so how did, so once you, once you did get, it was really first the convention circuit, as you said, there was no, there wasn't really social media back then. There was like MySpace, but how much you really, that wasn't a huge revenue stream for, unless you were Tila Tequila. Um, so it really, <laughs> how did it build going on the convention circuit? Like what did people respond like, right away to stuff like the Bret Hart piece? Were there other people doing similar stuff? Cause mashup art has, you know, back in that time there was mashup music was kind of new with people like DJ Z trip and there was some mashup art, but it was nowhere near as big as it is now. Yeah, no, there, there, was, there was very little of it, and there wasn't a lot of people doing wrestling either. Like, I give credit to my peers who are still very active in the fan art business. They recognized that I had kind of formed a niche with wrestling, so they stayed away for the most part. Like, they'll just they'll do their Hulk Hogan, they'll do their they'll do the big yeah. big name things that they know, but they're not fans. They don't watch regularly. And it's kind of the same thing with anime too. It's like I do a lot of things in my anime art because I'm a big anime weeb that a lot of people don't do because you've got basically two different types of fan artists out there. You've got ones who are really passionate about it and they do a lot of variety and stuff. Then you have people who don't really, aren't there, they just wanna make the money so they'll do the stuff they know. So like they'll do a Hulk Hogan or they'll do a Deku from My Hero Academia because they know that's popular. Right. But they won't do obscure characters. They won't, like with my mashups, I really try to make sure that the wrestling story, if I'm showing a story from history, is presented in, an, in a good way, that the book that I'm using, if I'm using a cover, is appropriate for that scenario. And my copycats will just throw spaghetti at the wall and hope it sticks, because I've seen some knockoffs of doing this. It's like, you don't, your first one, you're not getting the faces right. Second one, there's this doesn't make any sense why you put these wrestlers in this cover and do it. You know, you, you can tell they're just trying to make a quick buck with it. And you're not going to fool the consumer either because it's like the average person who's not a wrestling fan, despite Hulk Hogan being internationally famous, isn't going to buy a Hulk Hogan t-shirt. So you're still trying to sell the wrestling fans who have a huge supply of Hulk Hogan t-shirts or arts to choose from and right. they still want the one that's most authentic, you know? Absolutely. And I feel very privileged when people choose my stuff because, you know, I'm not the only game in town, but I try to make sure I put that passion and that enjoyment into everything. So you might see some things in the background. There might be some key details yeah, that somebody eggs. else might not do, but I try to make, because I know the fans are going to see those. I know they'll appreciate that I appreciate to put those in. Right. Even like the thing with this Dan House thing with a reference to Britt Baker being a dentist. Like I think Billy Gunn refers to as like, was it our, my kid's dentist or something like that? I thought that was great, you know? My biggest regret is I, I was, when I was unpacking some stuff, I after like I went to that, the thing of Dan Ellison, I found, I don't know why I still have this, but I found this thing with all my, with my old baby teeth in them. I'm like, I wish I had Dan Ellison sign these. Oh, so that's next time, I guess. Oh, um, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh. so, so from there, like what were your, what were your next ones after, after Bret Hart? Was it like, did you find that it was hard to get that same success again? Because that's been one of your more successful pieces. Was it, was it challenging to have some, one of your more successful ones come first out of the gate or did it give you false sense of security or the right sense of security? No, honestly. And, and, and I, and credit again to the fans is like, once people caught on to this, I, my inbox was flooded with people saying, Oh, you should do this. 
you know, they were just pouring these ideas and passion. And so I have a bunch of designs like this one here, which are evergreen, mm -hmm. meaning they'll sell for the rest of my life. And you get done with them, like the Fantastic Four Horsemen with Ric Flair. It's the um, Fantastic Four 40, not 49. It's the first Inhumans, the first Black Bolt. Mm -hmm. So you've got Flair in the middle all sprayed out. And then you got the heads of all the horsemen and, uh, and, uh, and the manager in the corner. And that, you know, that one's evergreen. The Incredible Hulk Hogan, Hulk 181 with Roddy Piper down there where the Wendigo is. And you got Hulk yeah. going against Andre, WrestleMania 3. Ones like that, those were some of the earlier ones I did after that uh, Bret Hart one. And like, like I said, they're very much evergreen. Right. Um, and that's sort of like of, the, oh, go for it. I just I was just kind of speculating. Some of the ones that don't really move or sell well are like the uh, the Jerry Lawler um, Iron Man, where it's the uh, demon in the bottle cover. I did, I did, I did a mashup of that too with Zarface. Yeah. Yeah. So, there, and there's a lot of iconic ones where it's like, I've done that big key issue cover. And so now I need to, I'm thinking about where, well, if I use this again, what would be a more modern interpretation of which, yeah. which work, where can I use? It's use tricky doing mashup work because sometimes I come up with something that I think is really clever, but you realize that clever doesn't always sell. Like that you're like, oh, like the, the ones who get this will love it. But you're like, that you're also spending a ton of time on something that maybe only a small number of people will get and the chance of a lot of them even seeing that's kind of low. So trying yeah, to find that right you know, combination. I did, I, did a, I did a Kurt Angle, uh, Kurt Angle piece with, uh, uh, God, I'm blanking on his name, from Harlem Heat. Uh, Booker T? Booker T, yeah. I don't know. Oh God, that, that great storyline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from, from from Impact Era, which was... Oh, oh that's bad. I was thinking of the WWE one with Star Mel. Yeah, no, this was Impact Era. It was a tremendous match that was ruined at the end of it by bad writing. That's, that's I, Impact. You know, I, had the, I, had the, I had the two of them together, and that one never sells. And it just, you know, it just it just goes to show, you know, how my, um, no matter how good a match is, the fans, there's things that stick with them, and that's not one of the things that's yeah. really stuck with them. I mean, if that was Booker T and Steve Austin in a grocery store, I bet you probably couldn't print those fast Because <laughs> that to See, me... There's things, like, there's things like that, and then Steve Austin with the bedpan and McMahon. Those are yes. some key moments I haven't done yet that are like on my to-do list, but it's it's like, you know, I, uh, another one that's like I'm surprised isn't been doing well was for a long time I had a D-Generation X-Force Oh, that seems, that seems perfect, yeah. It's X-Force number two, and I'm doing the return of Shawn Michaels. So that's a Deadpool going against Domino cover, yeah. uh, Rob Liefeld piece. And so I've got Shawn Michaels with McMahon and ring stuff being crashed around. And I was at a show with Shawn, and I think barely moved. I, I honestly don't get it. <laughs> that's wild. It's It's just... You know, it's, I don't know. It's like in Shawn Michaels too. It's like, I don't think there's been, he hasn't been merchandised the way that a lot of other wrestlers have. It's like, you don't true, see as many, true. like, you know, I had a Shawn Michael Jesus first, Jesus fish t-shirt used to wear around all the time, kind of as a joke, but I got it on like WB shop zone, like shop zone, like super, super sale. They were at the gym. People looked at me super weird. They had no idea what to think, but um, <laughs> I love HBK, man. That that's, you know, maybe when, maybe when Deadpool three comes out, that'll, that'll be the perfect time for that. Maybe so. Maybe so. I, it's weird with fandom because it's like there is a bit of a herd mentality. At least I noticed this. It shows something needs to be in the forefront mainstream wise to get people thinking about it. Right. 
Because, like, you'll, you'll you'll see this as, like, a new Spider-Man movie will come out and suddenly there's a ton of Spider-Man fan art at every convention. Yeah. Because it's the hot thing right now where a new epi- new season of My Hero Academia drops. People dust off all the might, you know. It's just the the, the fans, there there is a bit of a mentality there that's not isolated. Uh, I, I hate saying herd mentality, but it, it's just the way that things are. You know, when they're when they're in the public eye, people are more aware of them. So they're looking for those things. Right. There's sort of a mathematical aspect of the business of mashups I found because I did this series of 10 video game hip hop crossovers and some of them sold pretty well. But then I did one that I love that was Missy Elliott mixed with a Metroid. And it just fit really well because she's Seamus in or Seamus, whatever, and Metroid's a woman, and it fit perfectly and it all worked out fine in the thing. But then I realized it's like the cross the Venn diagram of Missy Elliott fans and Metroid fans are probably pretty small, you know, and you're just like, yeah. if somebody really has to like both of those things, it's like it's like you because it's like if you loved that Spider-Man cover but didn't really know who Bret Hart was, you're probably not going to make that sale. So it's like I had to get in my mentality of okay, we need to be find things that a, that one audience will like both of them. You know, yeah, or it's so bizarre that they're gonna either it's so far on the other end that it's like, oh, like this is uh Karen Carpenter dressed like Sting or whatever, then you're like, okay, now we might have something, but you know, (laughs) well, that's one of the things I'm bending on that one (laughs) with the wrestling comic book mashups is that there's so much overlap between those two because if you think of it, this has kind of always been my uh, my working philosophy is wrestling is a live action comic book, yep. You know, so comics and wrestling, they did they go so well together. Now, wrestling comic books have sold like forever. They're they're always terrible. Yes. You know, um yes. They, they keep trying. The old, the old WWCW, WWE tried it, Boom Studios couldn't keep Yeah, there was know, one not that maybe like maybe five, WWE. ten years ago that, that looked interesting. It was an indie one, but I don't remember really I think I remember the yeah. one issue. You know, and, and it and my theory is is that they they lean too much on trying to make a wrestling show into a comic book, not leaning into the kayfabe of the characters. They make them almost too much for kids, I think, sometimes, too, where it's almost like it's not going to appeal to an adult audience and the kids don't give a shit. You know, because because my philosophy with it is, like, if you're going to do a wrestling uh, comic book with a wrestler in it, it needs to be about the character, and you need to go, you need to do things in comics that you wouldn't be able to do on television. yeah. So, like with our Roddy Piper comic book. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. Glad you brought that up. I'm a huge Piper fan. So, this is Roddy Piper, the Kilted Avenger. Yep. Was he, he? Was that made while he was still with us? Sadly, no. We worked with Kitty. We worked with through uh, Pro Wrestling Tees to make this happen. And Great uh, site, Pro Wrestling Tees. That's a great... I, and, you know, uh, check them out. With this book, it's Roddy Piper as a talk show host by day and a vigilante crime fighter by night. I like it. So you you lean into the fiction, you lean into the the kayfabe, the story. You know, you make it as absurd and crazy as possible. You don't don't make a comic book about backroom drama that you could just film for an episode. Exactly. You know, you know that's you, what the video games are kind of fun. for. You know, the video games kind of fill that niche yeah. if there is one. You know. Absolutely. So. We've had we've had tremendous success with this. It's a whole series. The second book stars the British Bulldog. I'm almost Ooh. finished with it now. So we're doing a shared universe uh, situation where you've got um, Roddy Piper, uh, the British Bulldog, a third wrestler which we haven't publicly named yet, kind of all coming together at the end to, to defeat the big bad guy, kind of just like the Avengers. Yeah. And they all have powers and stuff. Like the British Bulldog, he's the UK defender. 
So he's, he's an MI6 operative. He's also a superhero. And we, we have Legends of Excalibur written into this and a whole bunch of other interesting lore that's appropriate for his character. That's and cool. it's 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 complete bombastic Saturday morning cartoon style fiction. I love it. I got to check that out. I mean, Piper to me is like, man, he's one of those guys you can go back to almost any part of his career and just needle drop on it. You're going to see something special and different. Like, you know, even his shoot interviews, the guy you never know what he's going to say next. You never know what he's going to do, you know. One of my favorite things in this book is that we've got tons of guest stars, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan's one of them. Oh, beautiful conversation. Yeah, so in in this story, he owns a pizza shop that sells two by four pizzas, two (laughs) by four foot pizzas, and uh, the 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 crime gang called the Stable try to knock over his pizza joint. Oh my god. So Alex, the art then, there is beautiful too. How long does it take you to pull something like that together? I mean, I, I've made one or two comics in my day, and I, by, every time I finish, I'm like, that was a lot of work for very one long. Of the, one of the hard, hardest things about being an independent comic book artist is keeping your bills paid while you're doing this stuff. Yeah. Because for this book, I didn't get a page rate. Um, it was basically we get the book done, we do the crowdfunder, and then I get paid on the back end. Mm-hmm. Well, I still got to keep the bills paid, so that's why I do Comic-Con. So that made it take like almost two years to get this 52-page book done. And I, 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 I'm I, so ashamed of that time frame, but it's like, what what can I do? I've, I got to pay my rent. I got to yeah. pay the car payment and the insurance. And if I'm not getting paid to do this per page, turning in pages and getting paid for it, I got no income coming in. And if it's not done right, it's not going to sell either. So it's not like you can just exactly. cut corners. You know, I don't want to rush things. I don't want to do, I don't want to cheat on the art. I want to give something to people because somebody's going to hand over $20 for this. I want them to love and cherish and be able to enjoy yeah. it. And if, and if they I don't, they won't buy the next one either. That's the other thing too, is it's like, well, exactly. you, you can't no, short ship people. You won't get them back. So this took longer than I wanted it to. Thankfully that's not happening with Bulldog. It's going a lot easier now i've got like 20 pages left to draw uh, but that's because i've got another book i'm working on that's paying me a page rate so where i can say look i'm going to do maybe one show a month this year mm-hmm. if that so that i have all this other time to be in studio drawing pages that's that's my goal for this year is to get all these books done because i want to get back to dinosaur man and i've got a long-term contract with this other other gentleman um, doing a, a kids' book series for him called uh, Achromatic Chronicles, and there's a lot of work there, so I'll be able to do that, stay home, and have the extra time to do other things that I want to do, like Dinosaur Man, and I've got a whole bunch of other IP that I want to do. Plus, we got the third installment of this after Bulldog that we're going to announce in summer, and um, yeah, and I got you know I got a granddaughter now. I've got. Elderly parents, I I can't be traveling every weekend anymore. I've reached that same point too. How old are you? 45. I'm 40. I turned 45 in April. Yeah. So like, um, I'm the same way. Like I spent, my parents are in their seventies. You're just like every, even my cats are like older than 10 or they're, they're turning 11 this year. I'm just like, if you don't like the time's important and you got, it's like, you know, we're at that point in our life where we have to make the most out of our, we still have a lot of time left. We got to make the most out of it and you can use it wisely, you know? Absolutely. You're, you're hundred percent correct there. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I love, yeah. I love conventions, but they're so exhausting. Yeah. And being 45 is like, I would rather, you know, maybe my buddy Dan, maybe somebody else. Hey, here's my catalog. Take it to all the shows you're doing. 
send me back a percentage, we're good. Yeah. And then I'll do a few key, like I'm really hoping to be at Squared Circle again this year. Um, I'm on the I'm on the wait list currently, but I mean that's a beautiful wrestling show in Indianapolis. If anybody who's close enough to come out, if you've never been to a Squared Circle, it's a great intimate uh, wrestling experience. You'll get time with the wrestlers that you wouldn't necessarily get at a big con, and uh, it, it's uh, the the promoters do a good job. So then that's in uh, March, into March. Sweet. That's awesome. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you about is, so what I was doing, I did this project in 2015 where I had a, I had a problem where I couldn't draw faces. I was actually doing this um, piece of the rock. And every time I did it, it looked more like Barack Obama when I showed it to people. It was the rock <laughs> holding a koala. It was a picture I found of him. And I did it in like decoupage in the background and I painted it and it finally got it right. But that prompted me to go, I got to learn how to draw faces. So in 2015, I drew a portrait every day for a year. And nice. I got pretty good at it. And then, but the problem, I, then from there, I started working on comics. But the problem is I physically, my hand wouldn't hold up. And eventually, like when I was younger, I, I tried to be a DJ. So I, I started using my mouse with my left hand so I could start being ambidextrous. And that never worked out. But years later, when, when this hand started hurting, and I used my mouse with my left hand most of my life. I started drawing with my left hand and it was there. Like I could draw with my left hand within a week. And like, wow. it wasn't the same, but it was, it was a cool style that like, I would have been happy with, even if it was my right-handed style. And like, but what I realized is like, I don't know that I'm physically cut out to do this work full time. Cause I'd want to be a comic book artist, but I'm like, if my arm is already hurting, like, so how do you deal with that? Like, how do you deal with the physical limitations that come with this? When like, if you can't, if you, it's like, you can't do your best work with like a, with like a broken arm or like a hurt arm and maybe I'm just a wuss, well, but how do you deal with it? necessity is the mother of all invention and i'm in a place like for for whatever reason god brought a uh, illness into my life called scleroderma and i don't know if you noticed but my hands are jacked up wow they look like they were drawn by ai so those <laughs> hands drew this dan house in peace yes wow extra star it's a six star piece now um and uh it's uh at first, I thought my career was over when I started noticing the changes happening. I could see my art was getting worse. Things was like, this is the range of motion for these things. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's like, I'm so passionate about doing this. Is the only thing I've ever wanted to do really is draw comic books. So you find a way to make it happen. And technology was definitely there for me. I have a Wacom tablet. Most of my stuff is digital. Me too. I love the Wacom tablet. I, I, I can I can compensate from any shakiness if I need to. And honestly, because I've been doing that so long, I'm using the compensation less and less now because the strength here is built up. Also, like I take care of myself. I, um, I don't take any pharmaceuticals. I don't take uh, anything unnatural. I don't eat from the center aisles of the grocery store anymore. I pretty much yeah. do keto carnival or I take a load of supplements, like, you know, a little shot glass about this full high of supplements every day after I eat breakfast and try to live as natural and healthy a lifestyle to keep as much of like, cause two or three years ago in January, before I started this lifestyle change, I was walking around like I was 90 years old with art, with severe, like hunched over yeah. constant pain. And it's like, I've either got to sink or swim and it's just not in my constitution to sink. So I was able to cut out the sugar, the Twinkies, all this other stuff. And I, once you start noticing a benefit change, yep. your body's like, I got time to heal. One of the reasons why I, I, 
I know I know nothing about your beliefs, but if anybody has ever read the Bible at all, fasting is mentioned in there many times. Whenever okay. they're in, whenever there's somebody in a spot, they have to go and fast. I do intermittent fasting where Same it's like a sixteen-eight, and it is so incredibly beneficial to do that because your yes. body can't heal itself while it's digesting food. It can't work on itself. So the longer you go without food, your body's like, okay, what needs to be fixed? Where can I take energy from? You know, that's how you lose the fat cells that are around, like the inside your organs and whatnot. You don't Reach want it. fat around your organs. Yep. Um, it's, it's been a beautiful but frightening change for me because it's such a big dichotomy against the fat kid that grew up. Exactly. You know, it's like cereal shoveling that in. Oh my gosh, that stuff's terrible. I know it is. It's um, it's funny too. Like um, the other thing too about intermittent fasting is like you want to get excited about a salad. Wait sixteen hours to eat it because that salad will take or wait like like it's like the food like because a lot of people are go oh, I don't eat the healthy food. I like healthy food. It's not a big deal for me. But I'll tell you, as much as I like salad on like any any time when I have it after like not eating for sixteen hours, it's one of the best things I've ever tasted. And it's like you you learn more of appreciation for food, I think, and the role that food is supposed to play in your life it's not absolutely it's like i because i've used food as a drug to be honest like i had way too much sugar over the holidays i'm on day three or four of cutting it out i went to the grocery store this morning at 7 a.m and i i succeeded in not getting the stuff that i wanted like um and i walked out of there feeling better than if i hadn't you know it's like it's it makes a big big difference like the working out the the drinking two of these a day you know the water it's because i don't drink anything other than water either it's like it's or or decaf black coffee you know it's like yeah i I love i love black coffee i drink a lot of water i'm a whiskey guy but i i I, but this is i I told this to my father's like despite my best uh despite my best efforts dad i didn't inherit your alcoholism i yeah my dad's an alcoholic i'm an i'm an edibles guy because i can't have alcohol because i'm gonna get a little bit of that too yeah but I'm the same way. They're not habit forming with me. I can like have one, enjoy it, not have one for a month and be fine with it. I don't have any like, well, I need to, you know. Yeah. So I'm fortunate in that respect. You know, that's not anything that I've pushed on myself. But, uh, you know, I, and there's carbs and whiskey. I know that. That's why I don't. Yeah, everybody needs a little cheat, though. You know, it's like, it's, it's like we all need a little bit of enjoyment. Good behavior. <laughs> yeah 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 because the thing is too what, what i'm nervous about is like i'll go through times when i'm super healthy and then like a birthday will come up and people will want to celebrate with me and it's like i'm like hey the cake i'm sorry the cake is going to set me it's like I, I feel bad going i know the cake is appreciated but it's going to set me off in a tough direction because it's like it's like reintroducing a drug to me in some force because it's sugar right. is a drug exactly. it acts like a drug it actually it, it hits your your pleasure centers and dopamine and all that stuff and it's it's <laughs> You know, it's hard because like I, I have father's an alcoholic. He's been recovering for 13 years. He's doing great now. But I'm what you call a gray area drinker where it's like mm-hmm. I will drink. I could drink enough to make me unhealthy over time, but not so much that it's going to be like the type of person go, you got a problem. You got to stop. So it's like the type right. of drinking that hurts me, but doesn't hurt others, which is easy to let go on forever, which is why I stopped a couple of years. Ago. But like it's you got to know yourself. You know? Absolutely. And that, you know, that comes to having self-awareness. <laughs> Exactly. It's, and it's like, that's so huge. It's there's so many people out there who don't understand the way that they come off. And you see so much of it in Facebook comments. You see a lot of it with people talking to strangers and fighting with strangers on the internet, which I have a saying that it's like, if you're, if you're arguing on the internet, you've already lost. If you're, if you're arguing yeah. with a stranger on the internet, you've already lost. It's that's, I strongly feel that. Yeah. I, I made the, I made the assertion that I'm not going to make judgments about anybody I have interactions with until I sit down and have a meal with them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because you really don't get to know a person until you're you're in a casual environment. So you might be dealing with somebody putting up a mask because they have childhood trauma. And that's why they're acting like a fool on, on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. Give that person a bit the benefit of the doubt. There's no reason to hate on them. You know, it's just like that's kind of how that's kind of how I operate. You understand too, the people use social media for different things. Some people use it to sell things, some people use it to try to create a different environment what their life is like, but some people do use it as almost like an Andy Kaufman type way to get out something that they don't want to do in the real life. And it's really hard right. when it's a stranger to know what is what and to some degree how much can you really care it's like you can't get too invested in, in these in these total but it's like there there is some degree where i think the idea the idea of giving people their grace and just being like i don't need to get involved in all of this nonsense i mean the amount of times that i've written a facebook comment and deleted it before i wrote it yes. every time i do that i'm proud of myself it's like i'm so in like I, I i just i feel like yes i've you know i got it out enough i heard what i wanted to say and that was enough yeah, I I cut Facebook out entirely almost. Like I'll check in once a week or once every couple of weeks. I don't even have notifications on for any of that. Like the only thing that I check regularly is Twitter anymore just because I have a ton of like personal relationship friends on there. That's the main way we, we communicate. But it's another thing. It's just like there's a like I have to discipline myself to put this thing down, put it away, not have notifications on, get my work done, then check it. And, my dad, uh, who who's a small businessman, he's running a machine shop his whole life. He's had he has a saying that um, when you work for yourself, the boss is always an asshole. <laughs> and it's like, it's it's like it's if you want to be successful to some degree, you know, you got to be an asshole to yourself. You got to push I, yourself. Absolutely, you know, it's as an artist, we are our own worst critics to start off with. Mm -hmm. And one of the hardest things for me is like for for the longest time early on in my fan art career, I had this piece of Wolverine. I absolutely hated it. I hated it for it wasn't it wasn't the best that I could draw. I cheaped cheaped out on the background. Um, there was just a lot of things I didn't like about, it, but people kept buying the thing. And another thing that I would get butthurt out butthurt about early on is people would be buying like really objectively terrible art from people at shows, and I could yeah. not understand why. And it took forever, but it dawned on me is like. Not everybody sees things the way that I see it. So I need to stop expecting myself from other people, take them at face value. And that's, uh, that, that's, that's life changing there when you, when you can really just kind of, okay, uh, that's not how I would do it, but I'm not them. Right. There's really two reasons why people buy art. One is they think it's going to be a good financial investment, and the other is because they have an emotional connection to it or some combination exactly. of the two. Exactly. And the emotional yeah. connection thing is huge. It's like it's really <laughs> tough to try to logically figure that out. You know? Yeah, because the attachments can come from so many different places. Like for me, I, I own a little bit of original art. I'll show you one of my favorite things, actually. Yeah. Go for it. I was 27 years old. I was at a convention in Indiana, Indianapolis, Indianapolis Comic Con. Right across from me is my all-time comic book. Uh, he hates the word hero because people who serve in law in uh, the military are heroes. I got I got chewed out by him by when I called him my hero, uh, Bob Layton. And uh, so I had him draw. This was my birthday present to myself. Oh my God! Is Bob Layton the guy who did the Iron Man cover? 
Yeah. I have a signed print of him, the Iron Man bottle. I have a signed print of him right over there. I met him at a comic show. Wicked nice guy. That's amazing. I love that piece. Yeah, so this is Iron Man fighting Magnus Robot Fighter, two of my all-time favorite characters. Oh, man. Bob was such a nice guy the day I met him. That's so awesome. Yeah, the first time I met him, he still had a bit of a chip on his shoulder over the whole Iron Man and not getting credit for the film and and whatnot. But uh, since then, it's all worked out and like I follow, I follow him on all my accounts, and he's been doing a tour of Europe and Greece, and now he's in, uh, he's been in Korea for the last couple of weeks. Oh, uh, but yeah, oh, fabulous man. person. He's one of the people who inspired me to be a comic book artist. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, this is one of my favorite pieces. That's beautiful. Yeah. His work too, like if you think of it, you know, I I, I don't know when that that the the, the bottle episode came, issue came out. I'm guessing 70s, 80s, or whatever. But yeah, it's like yeah, it's like 74. Yeah, yeah, somewhere. yeah. It makes sense. But it's like if you think of like what like comics were still coming out of the time of being very poppy. I mean, that was around not long, not not that long after like the Batman TV show with Adam West was on TV. And it's like to have something that gritty, like it reminds me of sort of the green, the green arrow or the green arrow, like heroin speedy thing where you just like stuff like that, like has an impact. And it's like, I've always been a Marvel guy versus a DC guy because I like seeing these people with powers have real life problems. I don't like this. I don't like to see the heroes as gods. I like to see them as people with real life problems. It's like that cover really really sums it up it's it's a very oh, iconic yeah. the storytelling and in, in Layton's run in Iron Man is the greatest thing you could ever read if you're an Iron Man fan like um and, and just not and outside of uh, of that it's just story-wise where he takes the character through all of these ups and downs takes the character to the absolute bottom of the barrel builds the character back up it's all this idea of a, of being able to redeem oneself to repent to rebuild your rebuild yourself and that's why it's like somebody like uh uh you know the, the casting for the iron man movie uh with with uh jdf um I mean, robert Downey jr robert Downey jr yeah i don't know why i'm having problems with names today but uh it's so perfect because his life story is that too yeah he's the perfect casting for tony stark wasn't even and the highest paid guy in that first movie either it's like he, no, he knew he had to earn it back <laughs> a lot of all. money on insurance a lot of money was spent on insurance in that movie and it wasn't all because of the suit you know but you know it, and it's it's those types of stories that we need to see in culture that's why comics are doing so bad right now especially in the mainstream is they're not telling stories that people can relate to right it's all the same yeah. problem that the mcu has now where it's kind of like they need a reboot every once in a while because things get so convoluted yeah. and it's not longer about the human story it's about keeping the whatever momentum is left going of the previous yeah story. exactly like it's been hard for me to digest any of the recent mcu content because it's just it's hollow it's not very well written and i can't relate to the characters and i don't need to see myself to relate to the characters but i need to see that struggle right like a legitimate struggle to be able to relate to that guardians 3 was the last one that i think knocked it out of the park like i really enjoyed that ant-man 3 i thought it was fun but i remember watching that i, I watched that and i loved it and then i watched guardians 3 i'm like oh that's a real achievement though like that and i enjoyed the marvels when i saw it but like someone pointed out it's like it's like 100 it's like it's like reading 100 issue 150 of a comic that you stopped reading around issue 20 where you don't it's like it's enjoyable but you're still kind of off balance and you're like does this what does this really mean and it's like especially now that we know that everything is possible in the mcu before it was like will they really do the multiverse will they really do thanos will they really do infinity gauntlet and now you're like 
you wouldn't be surprised if like Deadpool wrote a unicorn straight out of the screen and took a shit on your lap. It's like at this point, how do you surprise people anymore? Yeah. Yeah, that, and that's an excellent point. It's just like where where you you've you've kind of pan, they panned themselves into a, a corner and where do you go from here? It's like I'm not I'm not excited about any of the upcoming projects like I was I'm a huge Fantastic Four Silver Surfer fan. Me too. I love. Uh, I got a bunch of Silver Surfer art up there. Like some, I got an Eric Larson original drawing of Silver Surfer. Oh, there sweet. Yeah. You what know the rumors that they're going to make Silver Surfer a woman, and the casting for so far is terrible. It's like, who is your Silver Surfer? The, the name I throw out there is Keanu Reeves, and maybe he's a little old, but it's a lot of CGI. Do you have anybody who you think is your Silver Surfer? Honestly, I think that'd be great casting, but uh, or. Even a, even a nobody who just has the acting chops because right, like a young the, kid maybe that they that they probably can get more one out. of the things that's really irked me about how the MCU has devolved is it's become about we need to see how fast we can take the mask off and just see the actor's face for the rest of the dang movie. Yes, good point. Yeah, no, they, that's they, as bad the same thing to do with Jennifer Lawrence. That, that was the Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique thing, which that was that's emblematic of a lot of the problems. If you have a villain, they try to make into a hero because of who she is yeah. as a person, as a famous person, and then take it. It didn't work. Yeah, so it's like you know, like with the whole thing with Kang. I never saw Kang in that entire movie. Kang, that's not Kang. Kang has like a wicked, weird blue face. Yeah. The helmet, all that, all Agreed. that stuff. It's, you know, it's like you, we got Thor's helmet very early on, but he took that off and never had it on since. You know, there's there's things like that. As a true comic book fan, I want to see the character and not the actor. That's all. Yeah. I, I also think, that. despite the praise I just heaped on Guardians Three, Adam Warlock's big comic fan, big fan of his character. He was a little underserved in that movie, and totally. I think. The, yeah, the guy they had playing him would have also made a decent Silver Surfer, I think. Because I think it wasn't the actor's fault. It was just, it was, no. it was underwritten in the way they underwrote Taskmaster. Characters that, even though it was it was okay for the story, didn't do the character justice in a way that fans like Yeah, well, I mean, it matters who you hire to write these things. Yeah, so get somebody who's a name, get somebody who checks a box. But if they're not a comic book, genuine comic book fan, and they're trying to put more of themselves in the writing than the actual characters... You can't avoid that on screen. Right. The Tim Burton syndrome, because it's like those Batman movies, of, or Joel Schumacher, I'd say. Tim Burton Schumacher, did it better. Joel yes. Schumacher did it not so good. <laughs> yeah, because like Tim Burton, Batman, that's always, that's Batman for me. That and Batman, the animated series, those oh, are, yeah. those are absolutely incredible because you got people who are passionate about the material, writing, writing the material. And even to Adam, the Adam West, Batman, I like a little, to me, the problem I have with Batman is that even Christian Bale, I don't. I love the acting; it's all great. But I never believed that his Bruce Wayne would actually put on a bat suit. I believe he'd go out and kick, kick kick some ass. I do not believe he would wear a bat suit like a weirdo. Like, and it's like then you see Robert Pattinson. I don't believe that his character would ever take the fucking bat suit off. That guy looks like he sleeps in the bat suit in that movie. And I, it's like, and it's like there was that movie I've only watched once, and I enjoyed it. I haven't watched it back again. It's probably a little long, and they probably tried to cram too much into it. But I did really appreciate that out of it. And it's like it's either that or I like the super goofy Adam west lego batman where they actually inject humor into it so it's like you either okay. gotta convince me that this guy will put the will put the costume on or you gotta just rely into the humor and some of the stuff hits the middle zone and it doesn't always do it for me. well yeah that was schumacher's whole problem is the only thing he knew about batman was the adam west tv show so he tries to take the camp and make it serious and that's 
You can't turn you can't turn turn George Clooney into Adam West either. It's like if you want to do that, then don't hire George Clooney. Hire somebody who is more Adam West, or at least you know it's you know pure West, baby. No, no, like uh, you know armored plate on this guy. Yeah, you know that's that's the thing about these producers who make these movies is like we got to get a big name in here so people watch this movie. They don't realize that with fandom, we're coming to see the fandom. We will see nobodies in this movie if you make the movie with nobodies right and now they understand the fans are the ambassador for the movie whereas if the marvels was super super good and i loved it i would have told everybody to go see it and a lot of more people and a lot of other people have done that too but people didn't do that and it's like and if you're not using your most hardcore fans as your ambassadors to the to the to the the middle of the road fans and i think you're really and i think that's what you did with years it's like what comic fan would have seen the fantastic four movie and told their other friends to go see it they would have told them it was absolute garbage like the the other which you know well you know i'm a huge godzilla fan i've been a godzilla fan since i was a wee one that was another one of the things that my dad had me watch the 54 movie when i was still in diapers most likely fun movie i saw godzilla minus one five times i have spent a lot of my time online telling people to go see the movie and we've gotten that movie from relative obscurity to extending it to the 18th of January. It's up in the. It's up for uh, best picture in the Golden Globes. It's the IMDb has it as the in its top 250 movies of all time. I gotta see it. I haven't seen it. You have to see Godzilla minus one because it it gave me faith in going to the movies again. Like it wasn't just. I'm not just going there because. I grew up poor. I grew up in a small town in Missouri. I didn't get to go to the movies. That was like Disneyland for me. Yeah. So I still enjoy going to the the experience of the theater. But when it just feels like I'm filling time or getting a chuckle, that movie had me going like uncontrollably gasping and crying. It's so good. That's awesome. I recently watched, yeah. um, there's a podcast podcast about how did this get made? And they, they do like, they cover like bad movies and they, and I recently watched the Godzilla movie with, um, not with, uh, Ferris Bueller in it. And oh, what? the 98 one. Yeah. Tough watch. Tough watch. <laughs> like there's one part where they're like, you don't get it. Manhattan's the perfect place for him to hide. You're like, it's, it's like with every step a building would crash. <laughs> it's like they tried to make Godzilla somebody that could sneak up on you in Manhattan. You're like, what is going on? You know, it's being a Gen Xer and growing up with the Masters of the Universe movie. Right, that's another movie I watched with that podcast. The I love Super that movie. Mario Brothers movie. Double Dragon Mask. movie. That's another movie I watched with the podcast. Both that, Super Mario, and yeah. Double Dragon. <laughs> Cabbage we're Mask. Used to, we were used to not having stuff, so we took what we could get. Yeah, definitely. what we got. Like even like those Ninja Turtle movies, it's like it was it was really there was like we had the Superman movies, big drought before Batman. When Batman came out, I remember people going, Will Batman work? He's not as big as Superman. Will anybody even care about this? And of course, right. ever people were shaving in their head, you know. But like it's it's crazy how long it took for a how long it took for them to like realize that oh if you make the comic book movies like the comic books like you like utilize like the best parts of the comics make it something that can exist off the page but kind of jumps off the page and you got something instead of just being like oh Dolph Lundgren let's get He-Man to play Punisher and we'll hire Lou Gossett Jr. and Iron Eagle kids love Iron Eagle you know let's get this make this happen it's it's bizarre oh but I still rewatch 
watch those movies from time to time. Oh yeah, and even like the captain. It's like I I have a great love for low budget schlock, and it's like I think bad can turn good with time and stuff like that. And it's even like think yeah. movies like Shakespeare in Love. Who talks about that anymore? That was like that won the Oscar right. that year. I'd rather watch freaking Roger Corman's Fantastic Four and like you know oh yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah that to me is the best fantastic four movie thus far it's the one that i feel the best after watching it's like i was on a plane once and i watched um the second the fantastic four silver surfer and it was like i was like if this plane goes down i don't even give a shit because i don't even like my life anymore watching this and i watched justice league on a plane too the same way and i'm just like take me now take me now oh i, I turned the snyder cut off because i was like i got better things to do i don't yeah i know it's like and that the Snyder Cut was drastically better than the other one, but still that it's it's tough. It is a tough it's whew. yeah. Yeah, yeah. This this year, because I, I do the AMC subscription, so me and a couple of buddies, we go to movies pretty regularly. So I've seen a ton of films, and the ones that stuck out the most to me, and number one, Godzilla minus one, best year, best picture of 2003. Number two for me is definitely uh, like Oppenheimer. You know, that, that was yet. really I good. That. I loved asteroid city but you got to be a wes anderson fan i am i haven't heard i haven't seen that i remember seeing the answer that i gotta check that out it looked really good yeah it is so beautifully shot beautifully like the color grading in it looks like an old postcard from the 60s beautiful it's it's a good but you it's the most wes anderson film i've ever seen wes anderson make that's that's a bold statement because that guy's been up his own ass for a long time and not in a bad way it's just the way he does stuff it's like the attention to detail hotel is brilliant filmmaking it is yeah but you know and asteroid city is just like uh i just moonlight kingdom i love too or was that the moonlight kingdom is that what it's called the one with bruce Willis? oh god i i it had a lighthouse. I remember watching it and loving it. It's my memory is not what it used to be. Right. But um. Anyway, yeah. So that's on Prime now. I think so. You want to pick that up? Check it out. Did you see Iron Claw yet? I haven't got a chance to see it. Iron yet. Claw was beautiful. Yeah, I'm dying to see. I only took some liberties because I know most of the original original story. They they took one son out of it because he. Yeah, Chris died isn't in it, right? Brain. Yeah, he's so, the one that died of toxic shock syndrome or had that, right? If I'm remembering correctly, I, I think. think so, yeah. yeah, he was like the sort of the quote unquote run to the litter to some degree. But it was so it was beautifully done. It was really well performed. Definitely worth a watch. Definitely can't worth wait a watch. to see that. Yeah, and it's, it's Zach Efron. It's Carrie, right? And it's the dude from Shameless. Uh, I can never remember his name. The dude from Shameless yeah, and the Zach Bear. Efron as doesn't look like Zach Efron. He's so buff in this movie. It's crazy. Yeah, he's a good actor. He's he's developed and he's really um he did the thing the serial killer um what's his name for Netflix that was pretty good. I can't remember the guy. The guy the, the real so I mean they're all sociopaths, but I forget yeah. the guy's name. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't need to remember these assholes' names. Right. <laughs> Bundy, Ted Bundy, now comes to me. <laughs> it shook loose. So, what are you yeah, excited about working on now? I mean, obviously, you talked about you working on the Piper thing. Like, what do you got? What do you? What's 2024 got in store for you? Well, 2024, we're uh, we're going to release the British Bulldog book, this follow up for the Piper book. Um, also, I have a project called AR13L, the Little Mermaid. It's a parody of Ariel, the Little Mermaid, but instead of looking for a prince, she wants revenge. Ooh, I like um, that. Yeah, her, her 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 partner in crime is Stabastian. He's a crab that lost a claw at a sushi restaurant. So he's just got a life in place. Um it's very it's a lot of fun schlock. Uh you can go to little little mermaid, M-E-R-C-H, like mercenary mermaid uh dot com and, and find out about that. So I'm I'm wrapping that up in February to get to the printer. 
And uh, yeah, the Achromatic Chronicles, uh, green, uh, hopefully be done by that by summer and get that off to the printer. And then for the rest of the year, hopefully I'll be in a position where I can get back to doing Dinosaur Man because I have a print book story for that. And I have a few other comic book projects that I really want to try to get off the ground in the second half of 24. That's awesome. And that all sounds totally amazing. Where's the best place for people to get your stuff? I mean, I know you have erichodson.com. Is that is that the best place? Or, I mean, obviously conventions well, and stuff. If you, but... if you like going to websites that don't get updated regularly, it's perfect for that. Um, <laughs> it's pretty much just an online business card for me. But yeah. on, on Instagram and Twitter, it's uh, at Dreaded Dinosaur. So uh, you can hit that up. I'll have that under your name to the entire thing, too, so people will see that. Yep. Absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, like I'm not very active on Facebook. I let Instagram posts post to my Facebook page for my art. So that kind of takes care of itself. Um, but yeah, and uh, hopefully, you know, this year won't be uh, too on fire. It's an election year. So I know uh, I'm expecting Jesus uh, Christ. I've been dreading this year for so long. People with torches and pickaxes oh and stuff. God. That's the thing, too. There is a little bit of me that when I'm that I hate this sneaks in as existential dread, but I'm working on something. I'm like, all right, this is coming out later in the year. And then I'm thinking, what is later in the year? We're all going to be just so angry and like what, whoever. And it's like, is anybody going to give a fuck about this during all of that? And you're, it's just, it's disheartening and it doesn't stop me from doing yeah, it, but you're it just is. like, Oh man. And then you're just, then there's a part of me that goes like, well, the majority of the world's been dealing with nonsense on a huge level that we never have my entire life. To some degree, I'm like, I feel gratitude for the time I've had where the world wasn't literally on fire, but you know, it's, right. it's yeah, we, we still live in the greatest country on the planet right now, regardless of how things are shaping up. But I don't know. I think, I think we'd be a lot better if we didn't have politicians. Yeah. Cause I yeah. think, you know, you and I don't know each other very well but we're getting along fine and i think everybody in the in, in the population could do that to some degree if we didn't have like media and politicians stirring the pot yep because they're the ones that profit off of us fighting against each other exactly and there's something too like so i have a friend my friend rick who was on the podcast before he's um he's in his mid-40s he's been he's been dealing with parkinson's it's very early and he got it in his life and um we were working on an album together called not the golden rule, but the platinum rule. Cause the platinum rule is something I come up with where the golden rule is treat people how you want to be treated. The platinum rule is treat people how they want to be treated. And I feel like if more and more people thought about the way someone else wants to be, and of course there's within reason, some people want to be treated like the King of England, but it's yeah. like in general, treat people that like emotionally, like try to think about things from other people's spectrum said, well, I would like this or they're going to like this. It's like, that's a very selfish way to approach the world. And I think it leads to a selfish mind that yeah absolutely like for me as a christian i recognize that everybody is made in god's image so there's a certain amount of respect that i give to people no matter where they are politically religious whatever because yeah. of that fact you know yeah. i at least will give people dignity benefit of the doubt just because of that yeah so, i grew up catholic and i it's something i don't i don't practice anymore but like when i think about the actual lessons of what they say that you're supposed to treat people that stuff i've carried with me my entire life like it's mm -hmm. like whether i think that like the church has always done a good job of following their own rules is like one thing but whether i think that a lot of the advice that they give about the way you treat other people is another thing that is that stuff that like is very important and it's it's there sadly, sadly humans when they get in positions of power it doesn't work out so well. 
No, it's and the institutions are set up that way because it's like you have yeah. a lot of people who I think believe, well, if you just got so and so in there, that would fix it. You're like, we're well, forgetting about the lobbies. You're forgetting about what it's like for these people to go into a chamber every day with all these other lunatics and narcissists and sociopaths and people with all these different agendas. It's like you want to fix. It's like it's like you want to fix um politics. You take a lot of the money out. It's oh, like gosh. take the opportunity for people to get become personally. Um, personally you know rich off of it and then that's going to solve some problems i think i mean who knows might create others but like it's a good start at least you know i mean you you see it in the microcosm with like youtube like the shows that make the most money are drama streams where people are just bitching yeah because people you know it's like reality tv ruined television because everything becomes about well let's watch this train wreck you know it's because it's it's that easy emotional schlock that gets that makes money they're going to keep making it yeah stuff like that makes me uncomfortable i don't like watching like i don't want i don't like watching people lose their dignity and that to me yeah. is like makes me feel very and i don't like watching people argue in general I'm not an argument person but i really don't like when somebody loses their dignity especially in a public way and i just it's it's uncomfortable to watch and it should be uncomfortable for us all to watch it shouldn't be an opportunity to pile on people and i think it's i don't know it's you don't know what other people are going through you got to give them some space absolutely absolutely so that sounds like a good place for us to stop. Uh, you sound like an amazing human being. I'm so glad we got the chance to sit down. Your art's beautiful. Um, I can't wait to see what's coming out next. And I can't wait to uh, order one of those Brett the Hitman pieces, which I'll be um, searching for a way to do that online pretty soon. But um, thank you so yeah, much you... for being here today, man. This was so, this is awesome. Hey, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm, I'm always willing to come on and talk to people about stuff. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, make sure when you get this done, you send it out to me so I can share it around and uh, get you some more like and subs. If wherever you're watching this, make sure you're subscribing, liking, and all that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'll, I'll make sure um, we'll get this. This will, this will go out. I think the the week out the weekend after the rumble. This is the first episode I've done after that one. So yeah, it'll be out that. So I can't looking forward to it, man. So thank you so much. Check out Eric Eric Hodson's art all over the place. Support and all that good stuff. I will Smith and Wesson. You cut it from the grassy. So underground, Nardwar wouldn't know what the fuck to ask me. I stick it in the stomach. Now let me hit the throat. She call me Mr. Drummond. So many different strokes. Your punchlines, Mr. Drummond. Audience, Mr. Jokes. To your family, return from visit, folks. Flip me.
manuscripts Cause her man went from damaged kid to damn he's rich But she still can't stand the way he manages To never put nickels in the can for the cancer kids Plus he cheats at cornhole and rags that he won So she lost interest like porno after she comes My DM started jingling baby as it was done Two seconds later I can hear the snapping of her gums She calls me half Dodge Challenger, half Lip Gallagher I'm happy that I luckily sat next to her in algebra I try to hold her down but I just couldn't balance her Between the million meetings that I keep in my calendar Plus odds aren't too sloppy that I know why my cell is blowing up Probably but I should check just as well Call the cops, see if I can get a hold and tell If that's copyrights yell raising hell inside the holding cell Table we take charge. I got a style you can make large. Uh -huh. 